Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Maxwell Ivy, who is the blind blogger. Maxwell, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I am doing great. Thanks so much for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with just telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Well, well, as you know from listening to me as we connected on Zoom, I like to sing for fun and Recently, I've learned that I like to write songs as well for fun. So that's uh, one of the things I do. And it's kind of funny. My my editor of my books, Lorraine, regularly talked me into putting that down as a fun fact on my media kit. And people started to ask me about it. And then hosts asked me if I would sing on the end of the show. And the next thing I know, I'm writing songs and singing as part of my public speaking and my own podcast recording. So uh, it's great when things you enjoy doing for fun, you can also bring them in and help, have it help you a, a little with the things you do for profit. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. I like that a lot. And so what type of songs do you like to write? A specific genre or? You know, I'm not exactly sure I have a genre. I'm I'm not, uh, I'm not trained as a songwriter. I basically uh, try to find uh, melodies in my head that sound good to me and I would say, if anything, I'm an inspirational or uplifting or motivational uh, song songwriter that, you know, uh, so far I've written two songs that have actually put out there and people have enjoyed. Uh, one is called If You Don't Ask, which is based on an expression my dad used to share when things got hard. He would say, OK, Max, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. Now mm. stop complaining and call that next festival committee, because if we don't fill this calendar, we ain't going to eat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other song is called What's Your Excuse, where I share things that have happened in my life and how I overcame them. And then I ask people, if I can do that, what's your excuse? So those are, uh, to give you an example, of the kind of songs I generally write. Okay. Okay. There we go. So kind of more life self-helpy songs than, yeah. uh, you know, any particular genre. I like it. Tell us a little yeah. bit more about what you do. How do you go from being a carnival owner to a blogger? Well, I've even gone farther than that now. So I started out as a as a carnival owner because my family were carnival owners and that's what we did and was lucky enough to do that alongside my my family until my dad passed away in 2003 and we weren't prepared to run the business yet. So by 2006, we were out of the business and combining our rides with my uncle's carnival and by 2007, I realized that there wasn't a place for me on his midway. I needed to find something for me to do. So the only thing I figured I knew how to do was to help other people sell their used rides. So I started a website called the Midway Marketplace. And, uh, you know, funny thing is, is in 2007, I didn't have the first clue how I was going to run an online business. Uh, I filed for a domain name in September of 2007. And I'm like, okay, we have a website, we have a URL. Now, how do we get a website? So I had ended up, I had to teach myself how to code HTML in order to get my website online because it, at that time, which was before Wi-Fi, Facebook, and WordPress, which, you know, without any talent, skills, ability, or training, the only way I could really build a website with no money was to learn how to code it one line at a time. And so I did that. And I also learned how to recruit clients and set fees and write copy and eventually started a blog because people said, you know, Max, if you have a website, you got to have a blog. So I did that. And uh, as social media came along, I embraced it and did my best to understand it right along with all the rest of y'all because I don't, I, I defy anybody to tell me they completely understand social media. <laughs> um, so as I'm doing all these different things, and of course, eventually started recording some videos. So as I'm doing all these different things, Max, people people approached me and they said, you know, Max, we are really impressed with how you take on difficult challenges with joy. And we want to hear more of what it's like to be a blind entrepreneur. So I started the second website under the name The Blind Blogger, which is a name people had been using for me on social media as a form of shorthand for a couple of years before then. 
And uh, since starting the Blind Blogger, I've written four books. I've traveled the country solo. I've sung and spoken in public. I've been on hundreds of podcasts. I've taught people how to be podcast guests. I've put people on podcasts. I've promoted interviews. And eventually, with the help of Frederick By from Canada, I started my own podcast called What's Your Excuse? And now we even have a WYE network where I'm trying to help other people with disabilities or supporters of the disability community start their own podcast. So, uh, and most recently, uh, I realized that after 15 years of being online as a blind person and, and trying to navigate the web with adaptive technology like screen readers, that I am really the ideal person to be the expert on accessibility and inclusion when it comes to the, the online world. So in the last year or so, I've I've written, started writing for several publications, including the Audio uh, Audio I blog and the PHP Architect magazine, and um, even actually getting paid for for writing for other people's blogs, which is, you know, one of those things when it happens, it's like, man, that's that's not supposed to happen. It's really cool when it does, and uh, I've been blessed to consult a few small companies on their websites, making them accessible either from the from the beginning or helping them remediate. And in some cases, uh, coming up with short-term workarounds and teaching their current uh, customers how to manage their existing website or app while they work on a more comprehensive approach to accessibility. And I feel like my unique take on accessibility, because there are you know thousands of people in the arena, is I approach it more from the point of view of collaboration and communication as opposed to compliance and shame, because I really feel like uh, Leaning on legal threats and compliance is only get going to get us so far that, you know, if we can build a partnership and communicate with the developers, then we have a chance of, of getting to a much higher percentage of, uh, of an inclusive Internet. Because, you know, right now, after 30 years of the Americans with Disabilities Act, after countless lawsuits, the Internet is still only 3% accessible. Only 3%. So... You know the old line, if you do the same thing over and over and expect to get a different result, you're insane. Well, we've been doing this for 30 years, and I don't know that we've made a lot of progress, and that'll probably tick off some of the people who are more uh, political and more advocate-oriented than I am, but I really feel like we have to have conversations. We have to educate each other, and uh, I feel like communication, or as I like to say, in my lifetime, I have gotten much better results by asking nicely with a smile and a handshake than I have by threatening people. And that's the way I tend to approach accessibility. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, other people are going to follow my lead and we can, you know, we can really make some real progress in the, in the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are the steps needed to make the Internet more accessible to the other 97%? Or to make it 97% more accessible. Right. I'll, I'll leave the math up to you because I used to be good at it, but I'm not anymore. <laughs> um, so basically, we all, there's pretty much an understanding as to the kinds of things that are, are needed to make websites or apps accessible. You know, um, alternative text tags for images, uh, creating a simple website structure, limiting the number of items per page, um, you know, using a format that allows for navigation by adaptive technology, which most people don't understand this, but as a screen reader user, I have a much more limited way of navigating a website. So uh, if people have not designed the website to be, to be friendly to my screen reader, there's a lot of things I either won't know about or will take me so much longer to find them that I may get frustrated and go to somebody else's website. So uh, maybe just a, a quick little bit about navigation. The easiest way to navigate with a screen reader is by headings. So I really encourage website developers to go strong on their headings on their homepage and on, on all their pages and in their blog content. Uh, the other way we navigate is, uh, is with tab or shift tab, which will take us from the top left to the bottom right going forward and from the bottom right to the top left going backwards. Um, we have the ability to navigate by character, word, sentence, line, paragraph, and page using the arrow keys. And we can usually do a search if we if we know 
what we're looking for on a particular page has a particular uh, name for it, then we can do a search for the text or for a link text and route our cursor directly to that. So, so we, we do have you know, limited options in navigation. And quite honestly, sometimes the problem with a website is not accessibility, it's workflow. It's where a site hasn't been designed to take adaptive technology into account. And just one last point on navigation. One of the things that really makes our lives difficult is most people don't know that screen reader users, screen magnification users, uh, digital braille tablet users, we don't have access to the mouse. So if you're designing a website that requires me to use a mouse to submit, to enter information, then I'm stuck because sometimes I can simulate a mouse click, but not all the time and not reliably. And half the time when I really need it to work, it usually doesn't. So I feel like that's an, another thing most people are not aware of. It's taken us a long time to educate people on alternative text. Uh, and I really wish more people were talking about, uh, about the mouse click and how uh, coders, developers really need to lean more on uh, keyboard, command options or alternatives or on uh, creating ways of navigating the site that don't depend on the mouse. I know that's difficult because that's not how they've been trained or how they're experienced in creating a website or an app. So again, you know, we have to educate. I, I can't get mad at you for not knowing if I don't tell you. And not a lot of people talk about the mouse issue. You know, not a, a lot of people talk about the navigation issues, which like I said, a lot of things are not accessibility, they're workflow. And workflow yeah. depends on knowing how somebody is going to use your product or service in order to design it properly. So that's uh, another aspect of where I like to come at this from communication. Um, for people who are hearing impaired, having transcripts, having closed captioning, for people who have uh, developmental disabilities, Avoiding colors and fast-moving objects that can tr trigger autistic people. Uh, giving people the option of changing the screen uh, text size or changing the text color or even inverting the text color because there are some people who are dyslexic who uh, that is, is an advantage for, not just for people who have limited actual vision. Um, and, you know, for those people who use a uh, a device because they're paraplegic or quadriplegic, then really uh, limiting the number of items, making it easier for them to navigate to the things that they need to get to. So I like to encourage people when they're designing their website is, do you really need this thing to be on your homepage or could it be on a second page that I go to after I click something on your homepage? You know, do you really need all these images? And if you do, are they labeled properly? And, you know, if you want me to do business with you, have you checked to make sure your form can be navigated easily with a screen reader where I know when I get to each field, what belongs in there, the format I'm supposed to use. And I can know when I've gotten everything right or when I haven't gotten everything right and I don't keep clicking the next page button or the submit button and wondering why the heck it's not going to the next page or submitting. So those are some of the things that we can all address. And here's the other thing I like to come back to is a lot of these things we talk about in terms of accessibility, but a lot of these things will make your website better for everybody that's going to use it. Uh, that's one of the things I, I also wish we would talk about more is that accessible, inclusive websites are not just beneficial to the people with disabilities. They make your content better. They make your product and your service and your marketing better for everybody that is going to use a website. Uh, the same thing when you're running a business, making your onboarding procedures and your human resources practices, making those things accessible so that you encourage people with disabilities to want to come to work for you and want to stay at work for you. Those things only make your, your workplace better for everybody that works there. I, I think that's one of the interesting differences between business people and politicians is business people understand or at least a lot of them nowadays understand the value to their business of inclusive content or inclusive hiring practices and uh, politicians don't. So um trying to think. And the, the last point I always like to make is 
we are a huge community. Over 1.3 billion people around the world uh, acknowledge themselves as having some form of disability. Not all of them have visual impairments, which is why I try to stay up on the accessibility issues for other disability communities or other parts of the disability community. But 1.3 billion, uh, that doesn't include our friends, our family, our coworkers, and it doesn't include the fact that when we find a company that is inclusive, that goes out of their way to uh, to bring us in during the creation and development, as well as the marketing and the distribution, when people make us feel welcome, we will advocate for their businesses and their brands. And I like to, I like to share this expression with people. When you hire someone with a disability, when you market to people with disability, it's like hiring or marketing to influencers that you don't have to pay. Yeah. I gotcha. You know, I did not know the community was so big. Well, it is when you include all different levels of uh, all different types of disability. And that's one thing that I've really uh, been happy with my podcast network while it's still very young is that we're starting to see people from a variety of disabilities have their show represented in the community because it's a huge community. But one of the shortcomings that we do have is a lack of communication among people with different disabilities. You know, generally, People with hearing impairment advocate for people that are deaf and hearing impaired. People that are quadriplegic, paraplegic advocate for people who have physical disabilities. And, and yes, even in my group, people with vision loss will advocate more for people that are blind and have low vision. So uh, one, of the, one thing that would make people really feel the depth and strength of our community is if we did communicate more amongst ourselves and work together as a larger whole, which we don't do as often as we should. And, you know, if you've, if you've listened to any of my interviews or if you've talked to anybody who knows me, you'll, you know that I believe in being authentic and being honest. So if there's places where I feel like myself or my community are not doing as good a job as we should be, then I'm going to admit that just, just as much as, when I talk about how, you know, website developers and business owners are not doing as good a job as they could be doing, you know, this uh, communication requires honesty and I do my best to, to be as honest as I can as often as I can. Yeah. Well, I feel like uh, we've talked a little bit about it and kind of danced around it, but tell us a bit more about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Well, Part of it is the people that I've been blessed to help along the way, whether that's small small mom and pop amusement companies that I've I've helped sell a ride or a game so they could they could reinvest in newer equipment or so they could retire. Um, you know the businesses I've helped make their websites more accessible so they can uh, they can reach more people or so they can avoid the headaches of of not being accessible. Uh, the people I have encouraged through my blog or my podcast. The people I've helped start their own podcast. Uh, service is really a big part of who I am. The other thing that I don't know if enough people really get this as a creative entrepreneur, but I've decided that it works for me is there are so many people who have said over the years, if Max can do it, then what's my excuse? There are people who call me an inspiration and a role model, and I'm okay with that. I've I've accepted that. I'm fine with it. But here's the thing. I One of the things that motivates me a lot is just not wanting to disappoint the people out there who have come to expect Max to show up and be an example to remind them to also show up in their own lives. So service plus fear of letting those people out there down are two of my strongest motivators. And uh, if there, if, and my, my third one is just curiosity. I've, I've learned to, if I can make things an experience or an adventure, no matter how, how hard it is, no matter how much I don't like the way I'm doing that particular thing right this minute, if I can approach it as an adventure, then it becomes uh, a way for me to, 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 you know, to muddle through and to, and to keep going. And uh, actually one of my favorite authors, Elizabeth Gilbert, who is uh, famous for Eat, Pray, Love, but she also wrote a book called Big Magic for creative entrepreneurs and in there she likes to say that uh curiosity will carry you through when passion deserts you so 
curiosity, sense of wonder, sense of adventure is another thing that keeps me going and motivates me. Okay. Okay. There we go. Well, tell us about your dreams and goals. I know you have podcasts going now. You've come from a big business background, but now it's like podcasts, blogging, a lot of speaking. What's your vision for your business, your career, and your service to others? You know, this is my absolute least favorite question because most of the time I really don't know where I'm going next or what I'm going to do next. And I've learned over time that quite often God has bigger dreams and plans for me than I do. So, but uh, I want, as, as much as I've fought this, I want to finish writing enough songs to release an album. Um, I want to, while, you know, it's a big long shot, I really would like to perform at least one of my songs at the Ryman Auditorium someday, which is, you know, the home of country music in Nashville. Uh, as a public speaker, I have started getting paid both for motivational talks about overcoming adversity and uh, talks on how to, to make your, your business or your online presence more accessible and inclusive. So I really look forward to my first paid, excuse me, my first international in-person speaking event because I've done quite a bit of international, but it's all been virtual. So, you know, doing uh some speaking over in the uk or in australia is is on my future list i i just sent a batch of short stories from my early days off to a editor to see about maybe turning them to, into a book and i need to finish my book of uh of of travel experiences uh to you know to wind up the story about max uh finally becoming a uh, a successful public speaker. Um, eventually, I want to do a series of What's Your Excuse books, uh, similar to the Chicken Soup books, where we focus on people with, with uh, disabilities or people who have had difficult life circumstances. And uh, maybe someday do a, a What's Your Excuse conference. I really want to continue to build the, uh, the podcast community or network and... I would love, you know, say in the next five years, I'd love to be able to say that I helped launch the, you know, the next Joe Rogan or the, you know, the next really successful, you know, big time podcaster who just happens to have a disability or comes from the disability community. Uh, I really think we need some, some more high profile, high profile voices out there who, you know, can grow these large audiences to the point where they can really educate, advocate, raise funds for nonprofits and make more money from their own uh, creative work. So those are some of the things I, I'm looking to do. Uh, I really hope to travel just for fun at some point in the near future. Uh, I have many friends who are like, you know, Max, you could really use a vacation. And I'm like, you know, I'm not exactly sure I would know how to take one. I like to joke that if you drop Max on the beach in Hawaii, which, you know, doesn't apply anymore. Let's say if you, you drop Max on the beach at uh, uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, he would probably think, you know, this would be a great place to record my podcast. You know, I'm, I'm not good at vacations or I, I am good at building in time for fun when I travel for work, but I'm not good at vacations. So those are some of the things that I look forward to doing in the future. And, uh, you know, my writing is continuing to grow. I'm going to start my third publication in September when I write a article about Roku for Reviewed Magazine, which is part of the USA Today family. And so, you know, continuing to to share my thoughts on accessibility and inclusion through online and in-print publications. And I really thought I'd have my first copy of, of uh, my first article in PHP Architect Magazine. It's still a print magazine. And um, I can't wait till I can frame that first uh, print copy and put it up on my wall behind me here somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, so those are some of the things. And, you know, I don't accomplish them all. Some days I do one thing. Some days I do another thing. Some days I don't do as much as I would like to. And I go, okay, Max, you know, you do better tomorrow uh, or the day after tomorrow. I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm not as organized as I should be. I should have more systems in place to get more done. 
I should write shorter emails so that I get more done. Um, but you know, I, I, at this point in my life, I do things the way that they have, have worked for me that have gotten me this far. And when somebody comes along and lovingly says, Max, you know, you should try doing this. It would help you. I'll try it. Doesn't mean I'm going to stick with it, but, um, I, I do my best. And, um, you know, I've been working on a, on a new song and, uh, when you, when, when we're through with the interview part of it's okay, I'd like to do the chorus from that song because I think it would, I think it really fits in with the way I've done things over my life and hopefully will encourage your listeners to, to approach the challenges they have as well. For sure. Yeah. You can go ahead and sing the chorus when we're uh, done with the interview portion. Sure. So thank you. Wrote down a lot of dreams and goals for you. What are the top one to two skills that you feel you need to develop right now? to make your dream life come true? Uh, um, I think I need to develop more time management, uh, schedule, uh, adopt more systems. I've been, I got lucky last year. I discovered a CRM program that's accessible finally. So that has at least helped me a little as far as organizing the emails that I send between podcast interviews and public speaking and uh, writing opportunities, et cetera. So uh, less annoying CRM, I've uh, been very happy because it's accessible. And uh, so that's helped me a little. I've tried Trello, that hasn't worked for me. So continuing to find systems and adopt them and use them. Um, I really think delegating more is, is something I can work on and I don't know, maybe uh, maybe more realistic uh, approaches to some of the things that I'm that I want to do or I'm trying to do. I um, I tend to have an idea and then start working on it. And sometimes uh, or most of the time that's worked out for me. There have been a couple of times where I had to decide later that it wasn't a good fit, like coaching wasn't a good fit. And uh, uh paying to paying to speak was not a good fit so sometimes but i would say time management systems delegation um and learning to say no more i think Mm. that last one's really important um because i don't know about you but i have i haven't run across a good seminar on how to say no I haven't run across a business school student who said he took a course on how to say no, but it is one of the toughest things to do as an entrepreneur. And it's really important to our success to be able to know when to say no, even when we want to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. Um, Because not saying no, you know, you start saying yes to a lot of things. And then while you may be good at all of those things, when you're spread so thin, it's hard to execute well, hard to be fully present, give, all of your energy to all of the things. Um, so I get you, man. It's uh saying no is very important. Very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. And um uh, it, it's difficult when you know it, it's difficult when you are good at a lot of different things. You know, I'm uh I'm currently trying to decide what I want to do with the midway marketplace, whether I want to close the website or try to sell it or try to find somebody to run it for me. You know, I'm because it's just beyond all the things I'm capable of doing right now. Um, I've been really blessed that I've finally settled in on accessibility and inclusion being my main focus, even if it is split between writing, speaking, and and uh, and podcasting. But at least I have a, a number one focus, which I didn't used to have. Uh, there's a great book called the – now it's escaping me uh, – these uh, something about the zone of genius, and I, I wish it. I wish I could think of the name. Is it the big leap? Uh, yeah, I think so. Where the author says that you know, there's the zone of incompetence, the zone of competence, the zone of excellence, and the zone of genius. And my problem is I have too many zones of competence, and I uh, not enough not enough zone of genius. And so, being able to settle in on uh, accessibility is my number one thing has really helped me a lot as far as making progress in the last say six months to a year and i was joking with my friend alex sanfilippo the other day he's the guy that started pod pod match and he's he's one of the 
the people that I've been lucky enough to 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 do work for. I joked with them the other day. I said, you know, things were a lot easier when I thought there was only one thing I could do, which was sell used carnival rides. Things were a lot easier then because it wasn't like, man, what you know, what I do today. It was like everything I did was focused around growing that website, attracting new clients, selling the equipment that was available, and getting paid for those sales. So things were a lot easier when I didn't know I was capable. As you start to find out you're capable, then you have to learn how to say no. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so I guess, what do you think is the, if you had to put the impact that you want to make in a sentence, what would that impact be? Who would it be? And what would the impact be? Who would it be for? That is a really good question and a really hard question. I'm not exactly sure what question you're asking. Um, but if we're talking about impact, I I really love to help the people who don't understand their genius. They don't understand their power, their, uh, their beauty, their excellence. I really love to help other people discover what it is about them that is able to make them successful and I think that I actually I know the reason for that is because it took over three years for, for friends to help me understand that my life was inspirational when I at that time thought, well, I'm just a guy who gets up every day and works his butt off to help people sell used carnival rides. That was how I saw myself. And it it took help from friends to eventually get me to understand, well, you know, the fact that I have a built in excuse and I don't use it. Uh, is very encouraging. It provides a mirror to people who don't have a, a, a disability or an obvious roadblock who are doing nothing with their lives. It provides them with that mirror to encourage them to go out and do something. So, you know, understanding my value is why I really uh, love to, to help other people discover their value because once they know just how special they are, then they can make the impact. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's uh that's really awesome. And so I guess a further question would be is there somebody specifically that you like to help find their genius or is it any of the 8 billion people on the planet? Okay. So somebody specifically. Specifically. Cuz when I'm thinking about uh saying no, I'm thinking about being really clear on who you want to impact and how you want to impact them. And then being able to be like, is this the highest and best use to create this impact for this person? And that's your kind of filter for saying no. And so I feel like the more clear you get on your target persona or your ideal client, I guess you would say in business terms and the ideal impact you're trying to make for them, the easier it'll be to say no to that's It may be good for them, but it's not, absolutely perfect for them so you're saying no to it does that make sense yeah it makes sense it's a it's a difficult question to answer i would say yeah yeah, yeah, no no i would say it's it's one of those things i didn't used to think about but i would say that i ideally uh you know considering how few people with disabilities have jobs and how many of them are are underpaid or underemployed or underappreciated i i think i ideally would love to help those creative entrepreneurs who have a disability to to get the exposure for their work uh to become confident enough to put their work out there in the first place even um because i i feel like those people you know many of them are going to have a big impact on the their family their communities so i think those are the people i really want to help i really want to help the the musician, the filmmaker, the author, the podcaster, or, or or somebody aspiring to any of those who has a disability. I think that uh, I I feel like I can bring all of my experience and all the many different things I've done over the last 15 years uh, to really help them move forward with whatever it is they're trying to create to support themselves and their families, and in some cases, their communities. Yeah. I love that. So the creative entrepreneur with a disability that really wants to get their work out there, you want to help them get their work out there. And that's the impact you want to make for that specific person. 
Yeah, and of course, as of course, part of of get, helping them get out there is is helping them have the courage to put it out there in the first place. Which is, as you know, with any creative entrepreneur, regardless of able body or disability, is a is a very difficult thing. You know, there so many people struggle with perfectionism, with not good enough, with uh, you know, wondering if people will care about their work enough to even respond to it, much less want to invest in it or want to purchase it or sponsor it. So, uh, I, but I tell you, I, I really appreciate this exercise that you've helped me with as part of your time as a podcast host. And uh, I can't tell you how valuable this must be to every other person who comes on your show, because uh, as you say, knowing who you want to work with, is the very first step to being able to say no to the people that you aren't really aligned with. So I thank you so much for that. Yeah, yeah, of course. So keeping that ideal persona and ideal impact in mind, so creative entrepreneurs with disabilities that really want to get their work out there, helping them get their work out there, what activities in your life would you stop doing right now if that was the sole focus of your days? Um, you know, that's a, that's a hard question because some of the things I'm doing right now don't go directly to that, but they build my brand and, uh, help me grow an audience that I can use on behalf of those, of those potential clients at some point in the future. But I would say, of course, you know, the Midway marketplace doesn't serve any of that. Uh, I would say, some of the podcast interviews I do don't serve that. And I would say some of the people I have have, have had on my podcast don't, deserve, don't, don't serve that either. And I'm not disrespecting any of the wonderful people who have come on and shared their stories with me because they've all had uh, stories with uh, messages or actionable advice that was helpful to my listeners. But, you know, going forward, I really need to, uh, to focus in on this ideal group when I'm deciding on what platforms Max wants to appear on even. So those are some things I, I can do. Um, I am also willing to recognize that the songwriting doesn't and singing doesn't serve any of, the, of those purposes, but I enjoy doing it. And it's one of those things that I do as a way of living my talk as somebody who has overcome his own adversity. So that's one of those things I keep doing, even though that I know for the most part, it's a waste of time, that it's a, it's a distraction that, uh, you know, when you have that time during your day, when you just don't feel motivated, it's something I can do that can, you know, maybe, maybe refresh me a little, but it doesn't serve the purpose that we're talking about as far as things I could stop doing. But even though I know I should stop doing it, I'm going to keep doing that one. See, I think it does serve that purpose though. Cause like you said, that's you walking the walk. There are a lot of people who wouldn't take on singing or wouldn't write music because of a disability. And you doing that is very much like you being an entrepreneur while being blind. You know, it's it's part of that inspiring story. So I, I'd say it's part of that brand building, actually. And specifically because a brand is really something that allows people to kind of know you and trust you. And so if it's not built upon you, <laughs> you know, they're going to, they're going to think they're getting something they're not. And so I think it's important at least that you, I, okay. I wouldn't say it's a waste of time. All right. Well, I, I have, I, I sometimes think that it's, it's not, it's non-productive, um, but it's uh, it, it helps me to hear you say that. And I'm, I would imagine that when some of my followers see this, this interview, they're going to, they're going to call me out on that as well. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, what um, what character trait do you feel you most need to develop right now to make some of these dreams and goals come true? Uh, I think uh, more focus. Uh, yeah, continuing the continuing what we have talked about here today on my own and uh, and trying to avoid being distracted by things that are enjoyable, but maybe not necessarily uh, serve the ultimate purpose, which is, which is hard, which is hard to do. I, I used to tell people that, it, that 
shiny objects weren't a problem for me because I didn't have cash or credit to indulge in them. But I've since learned that sometimes there are shiny objects that take effort and energy and time away from things that you could be doing that are more focused on your on your actual ultimate goals. So yep. just more more focus and uh, and being willing to 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 evaluate the things I'm doing more uh, more honestly and you know because as you know um, the the biggest lies we often tell are the ones we tell ourselves. So, and sometimes those can be positive or sometimes those can be negative. So just really uh, bringing everything back to, you know, what is my, my prime goal? Who is it I want to help? And what is it I want them to help, help them to do can really help with the, with focus and with avoiding some of those hustle and muscle shiny objects. Yeah. And if there were one or two people you could meet right now, this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards these dreams and goals. Who would they be and how would they help you? Well, I'm I'm blessed to have a lot of people in my community already. Um, Alex Sanfilippo, who I mentioned earlier, he's always, uh, he's always in my ear about focusing. He's the one who sent me the book that we were talking about earlier. Um, I would say... I would say, um, you know, actual people, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed by Stephen King. I, you know, if you, if you read his, if you read his backstory about how, you know, he, he did some of his best writing, some of his early writing in homes that didn't have power, that didn't have heat, that, you know, he worked standing up in many cases. Uh, you know, I can't get really invested in, in politics one way or the other, but, you know, there's a, a person who has been a prolific author and you can't write the number of books with the number of pages that he's produced over his career without being really task motivated, really on, on focus with what you're trying to do as a, as a, as a business person. So, you know, he's one person um, that exemplifies a lot of the things that, uh, that I wish I were when it comes to my own my own work as a as a writer speaker and podcaster. I got you. Okay, well we're going to jump to our final series of questions, and then we'll hear you sing a song, sing a little bit of a chorus of a song, and then we'll wrap this thing up. How's that sound? Sound good. So is this next section like lightning round type questions or? Uh, not lightning round. So usually we have the thriving three. I'm just going to jump past those because I kind of want to get to limiting beliefs and hear you sing, and then we'll get it going. All right. All right. So what's one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? Uh, One limiting belief is I still doubt whether or not I'm as good as people say I am, Hmm. whether that's my blog or public speaking or the, or the singing. It's like, it's it's part of it is you know is just really not trusting my abilities for such a long time before you know realizing that i had so many talents um but another part of it is as a and and this is something i think is is more because more for people who have a disability is quite often it's hard to find a friend who will tell you the straight up truth you know, it's hard to find those people who will tell you you stink when you stink as opposed to telling you, well, that was all right. That was pretty good. You know, or people that are so impressed by the fact that you're doing it that they don't uh, they don't help you know whether or not what you did was good or not. Um, of course, on the other side of that, I've also realized there are some people who they view the world from a different lens than you do. So. They view the world from a different lens than you do. So when you ask for their help, you're making a mistake because they're going to give you an answer that's going to probably be negative. So, uh, uh, but yeah, just not trusting in my own ability, regardless of what uh, area that we're talking about is. I mean, uh, even last month when I spoke at, uh, at an event in Wyoming, I gave a keynote speech and People were laughing throughout my talk. They were clapping at the end. Uh, it was lots of people came up and told me how good it was. And 
Several people even mentioned how the topic of interdependence is something they had never heard anybody speak on before. But still, I'm still thinking, was it really good or were they just, you know, telling me it was really good? Yeah. So trusting in my ability and how good I really am at some things is uh, is a problem. And I also have a problem with uh, with money. I quite often have refused to do well i've i've been caught both ways there have been times when i have put myself in bad situations because i underestimated how much money i needed to have and there have been times where i turned down things i should have said yes to because i was worried about whether or not i would have enough money or whether or not the money would show up Mm. for the most part i usually go okay max do you really want to do this and if you really want to do this somehow some way it'll all work out but there have been times in the last few years where I have uh, played it safe and decided not to, not to go do something because I was just, you know, worried about the what ifs. And I, I feel like that these are things a lot of people deal with, but don't talk about. So, and I'm, I'm also known for being very authentic and uh, trying to get people the, the best possible picture of Max so that they don't get the wrong idea about themselves. You know, I've, I've actually had more than one coach tell me, you know, Max, or they'll say, you know, Mr. Ivy, I know your brand is authenticity, authenticity, but could you be a little less authentic? <laughs> so, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like those are two things that I, I that I have are shortcomings and I'm, I've done much better with them over the last few years, but it's still a struggle. And, you know, uh, I talk to authors who are like, you know, Max, do you ever get over the fear that you have when it's time to, to send that next book off to the editor or to a publisher? And I always tell them, no, you, it, it never goes away. You just get a little better at dealing with it each time. And so here I am uh, a little better each time as far as, you know, saying yes to a podcast interview or, you know, publishing an article or sharing my thoughts uh, in public speaking or in just a meetup type uh, arrangement. It's those are so those are my two. And I'd be I really love to hear. I, I'm hoping that some of the listeners will be uh, encouraged by my honesty in this area to to share some of theirs in the in the in the comments when we get this live out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, me too. And I guess our final question for you, then we can hear your chorus go. What is your favorite belief about yourself? My favorite belief about myself is actually something that uh, a good friend of mine finally put into words. And basically, it's the most for the most part the belief that somehow some way i can make just about anything come out to my advantage and a lot of that was built up in 15 years of dragging a seven ride carnival around the country and being in a lot of uh, in a lot of bad situations that we had to figure our way out of um back then we spent a lot of time close to the edge of bankruptcy and not a lot of time close to the edge of of success or uh or or wealth ever you know so i kind of built up this muscle memory over the years of believing that somehow there's a way it may require asking for help from people who know me it may require doing something that i didn't plan on doing or don't like doing you know there it just seems like there's always a way and if if you're willing to keep your mind and your heart open to them if you're willing to let people know you need their help eventually you will figure out some way my and my my friend Lorraine regularly who has edited my books uh she's she has a she has a business at wordingwell.com and uh she likes to say that Max gets into more shit than any one other person she's ever known in her entire life but he always manages to get out of those situations and come home with a story to tell (laughs) that's funny yeah yeah I, I i love lorraine but yeah that's that's a kind of a kind of a short short version of what i feel is my best advantage which is just somehow some way we're gonna get there 
there we go. Well, Max, go ahead and sing for us, man. That's all we got for you. All right, cool. And y'all can find me at theblindblogger.net, and you're welcome to send me an email at justask at theblindblogger.net. So, all right, this is the chorus of a song I'm, I've just started working on. I like the chorus. I'm still working on the verses, but here it goes. Because you'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough time. You'll never have enough courage. You'll never have enough spine. Just do it as good as you can and do it better the next time. Because if you're waiting on that someday, you'll be waiting the rest of your life. There we go. I like it. It's a good message, too. Yeah. Yeah. So... I appreciate it. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, this is the first time I've I've done it uh, publicly. Uh, enough people said it was good enough. Now, and I'm also thinking that if if a few people hear it, if I know it's out there, I'll be more motivated to finish the rest of the song. So. Yeah, when it goes big, we'll have to come back to the show. <laughs> and highlight it. <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't write songs to write hit songs, but I wouldn't I wouldn't turn one down if one just happened to bite me on the backside, you know. Uh huh. Yep, yep. I got you. You because know? because you can do a lot of good for the world with a viral video. It's true. It's true. Well, awesome, Max. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. And just one last thing I want to say is, uh, I started doing podcast interviews in 2013 because I didn't have a way to go meet people in person. And so without uh, people like you, most people wouldn't even know who the heck I am. There really probably wouldn't be a the blind blogger or uh, what's your excuse. So I want to thank you for the work you put into your show to give me a platform to share my experiences and hopefully encourage people to overcome the excuses that are holding them back. And I just want you to know, without you, I wouldn't be able to keep doing this. So be sure and give yourself thanks for being part of my continuing journey and part of my continuing story. So thank you. Of course, of course, happy to do it. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Max had to say, make sure to check him out. All the links he mentioned earlier will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Hey there, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.